welcome to How Have You Not Seen That, episode one. My name is Crossman. I'm Charles. I'm Wilson. This is a podcast where we talk about movies that we haven't seen. I feel like I've been in situations where someone has asked me if I've seen a movie and to avoid appearing dumb or uncultured, I just nodded along. You lied. This is a podcast about honesty. <laughs> yeah. It's about telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're here. To uh, avoid that situation in the future, we've, we've come together to admit movies that we have not seen. Right. For the, our inaugural episode, I've, I've admitted that I've never seen Raging Bull. The Correct. How have you not seen that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you haven't seen it either. No, so, but I mean... It's easier for me to admit these things. I have okay. a much longer list to catch up on. But, but Wilson, everyone's you, well aware. You had seen this. Yes, I saw. This is my third or fourth viewing of Raging Bull. I saw it for the first time in high school when I was running through Oscar winners because this one did snag a couple. Um, and then I watched it again at some point in college. But so this is probably my first viewing of it in like seven or eight years at least. Okay. Um, so it was fresh-ish, like fresh-like sure. um, for me. But we'll talk about my thoughts in a little bit. Crossman, how do you think? How do you feel about Raging Bull? Scorsese, De Niro, it's a classic, right? Uh, yeah, it is. It is a classic. I was <laughs> surprised. I guess in my like head canon for this movie, I had assumed it was a like celebratory depiction of no. the Raging Bull. Turns out, no. <laughs> that, that's the exact no. same reaction I had. Yeah. Right. I thought it was more of like a Rocky kind of story. Yeah. It's like the anti-Rocky. I just, I'd read yeah. nothing about this movie besides that it involved boxing and Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese. Okay. Yeah, I knew that it was sort of known for De Niro's like bodily changes in the movie. Them, yeah. Um, I obviously knew it was about boxing. Yes. But yeah, I guess like for a sports movie, I just assume that the story is going to be a positive one. Right, that it tracks as like a triumph. Yeah, I think it's pretty rare that it's a negative depiction. I think like that's true. Friday Night Lights comes to mind, mm -hmm. or I don't, I don't know. That seems that's like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rocky does lose. The wrestler, the I guess, is. Yeah, that was a good movie. But even that like plays. As... I, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Very well, there's yeah. another one on the list. Uh, wrestler's <laughs> yeah. good. Um, but even that one doesn't play it exactly tragically. It's kind of like a bittersweetness to it. Or this one is really just the bad choices that this guy made led to his yeah. demise. It's, <clears throat> I would say like 40% domestic abuse scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe north of that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it, it's... Which was surprising. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's less a movie about boxing and more a movie about violence. And like there's a lot of violence. In this movie, it's a very violent movie. And masculinity and all that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And like how those fold them together, and like psychosexual inadequacy problems, and <laughs> numerous things. Maybe I should give like a recap of kind of Please. the yeah. events of the movie as I remember them. <clears throat> I think that's a good idea. So, so it starts. We're we're introduced to De Niro as a boxer. Jake Lamada. Yeah, Jake. A Lamata. real dude. True story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it does the common Scorsese thing where it starts at the end where he's like practicing his uh, speech. He's about to give like a, a presentation of some kind. <laughs> uh, like, uh, which we, we learn later is, yes. is like a Broadway kind of like. A review or something? Yeah. And then it, it goes back in time as most more Scorsese movies do. Mm -hmm. um, and we see him as, as like a young boxer. Um, he's already a boxer, though. It's not like a, it's not like an origin story yeah. in, in that sense. Um, he <coughs> has a kind of like abusive relationship with his current wife, mm -hmm. although it seems mutually abusive. Although he's also like incredibly dangerous because he's a boxer. He's a boxer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like it's. Yeah. Mutually verbally abusive. Neither of them seem very happy to be there. No. <laughs> no. No. He's uh, trained by his brother, Joe, Joe Pesci, played by Joe Pesci. Sort of like early in the film, we meet a new love interest play, played by uh, Kathy Moriarty, I think. Her yes. Name Who's sort of like a part of like a posse of like a rival neighborhood guy, played by Frank Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. Who seems to be kind of like a made man character? Who's in every mob movie? Every mob movie, <laughs> period. Yeah. Just yeah. the end of end of sentence. And then we see De Niro's character fight Sugar it, Ray Robinson. Sugar Ray. I was gonna say Smokey Joe, but <laughs> no. Yeah, Sugar Sugar Ray Robinson, um, and he, he kind of fights him like a few times in his career. That, that sort of like define that like fighting relationship seems to be what the movie like focuses on. Uh, apparently, in real life, Lamada lost. 
like four out of five matches with. Yeah, they split it. Pretty, I think they sure, fought right. six times and split it. It might have been. Oh, I, th I read that he yeah. won. That Jake Lamada beat him once out of six times. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. I must have misunderstood that. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> Lamada like really wants to uh, go after uh, a, a title fight, mm -hmm. but since boxing is controlled by the mob, he has to like fix a match with the mob to get a chance at a title fight. Yeah. Turns out he's bad at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he does that. Poorly, and he gets banned from boxing for a, a couple while. of years. Yeah. Yeah. But then is given the chance at a title fight, which he takes. Mm -hmm. he, meanwhile, his marriage to Moriarty, the Moriarty character, has really, really fallen apart. He's extremely abusive and controlling. Um, and jealous. And jealous, which eventually turns into him fighting uh, Joe his brother, Joe, mm -hmm. Joe Pesci, and uh, <clears throat> uh, putting his hands on uh, Moriarty's yeah. character. Like, a few times. Punching her, yeah. Yeah, yeah he straight boxer punched her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was knocked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he just like cold clocks her. Yeah. Joe Pesci stops training with him, but he like continues fighting, and then we sort of get to the end of his career where uh, he loses <laughs> a match, but is like not knocked down, and that's like important to him that like throughout his right. career he was like never He never knocked, knocked me down, right? Yeah, he yeah. wasn't knocked down by, yeah, uh, Sugar Ray. And then we see him sort of post-career, um, still married, amazingly, um, <laughs> where he's running a, a bar in Florida, and he gets arrested for uh, serving underage, or like having underage women in the bar. Yeah, I um, think he also served them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, we see sort of him at his lowest moment in, mm -hmm. in uh, jail. And then the story keeps going amazingly because that, yeah. that seemed like the end of the but movie. Just, it, there was a few points where they could have ended it and didn't. It just was like, kept going with this dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, so eventually he kind of like runs into Joe Pesci in New York and mm -hmm. seems to like try and reconcile that relationship, although it's unclear. Like, Pesci doesn't seem that into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we sort of get back to the beginning of the movie where he's about to like go on Broadway and like give this speech, I guess. Well, um, the last thing he does. It's like a one man show. He, yeah. he gives the Brando speech from On the Waterfront. That could have been a contender speech, and that's how the movie ends, with like a really hacky rendition of the, the yeah. seminal Brando monologue. Um, oh, and that's and, the end of the movie. In uh, post-career, we like sort of seen him, we see him like gain a lot of weight. Yeah, he's uh, very that, that's, yeah. And his wife does finally divorce him. That's true, yes. after he gets arrested for... Or right before he gets arrested uh, for... Right before, yeah, yeah, you're right. Right before he gets arrested for serving minors. Um, so yeah, that's basically what happens in, in Raging Bull. It tracks a lot of pretty classic Scorsese tropes um, that he would replicate it later on with Casino and Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street, where the great man rises and falls. Um, and you can kind of pin some similar plot beats yeah. to this movie. It it was a downer, for yes. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, not a fun movie to watch. It's no, actually it's a, like... A, this is serious cinema. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's all black and white too, which, as usual, feels extremely stifling, and it contributed to that like very depressing feeling. Yeah, well, and it's a period piece. Like most of this takes place in the forties and fifties, yeah. and it like emphasizes that. Like this is something yeah, that it's, happened. It's like this is the past. Right. Yeah. 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 We get so we, curiously. We, the only time we get color shots is when we're looking at a montage of, of home movie footage, um, and then those are in like a grainy, washed-out color. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's all like this really high contrast black and it white. It definitely seems like it's meant to evoke like either like film of the era or like like recordings of like boxing matches from the era or like mobster movies from the era too. Well, the, like, specifically like the boxing noir movies from the twenties and thirties. Like that. That's why it's in black and white. Is that it's it's calling to mind that type of stuff, mm -hmm. um, which it's obviously related to mob movies um, and related to you know melodramas and things like that. Um, what do you think about this one, Charles? Obviously, you go into it hearing that it's like one of the greatest pieces of American cinema and all that, and it's really hard to meet that kind of expectation, especially viewing it like you know now instead of in 1980. Mm -hmm. um, so, like my problem with it was, well, first of all, I didn't find it that enjoyable, all things considered. Like it just seems so bleak and depressing, and like I felt really uncomfortable watching it all it's, the time. It's not a charming movie. Yeah, and like <laughs> it obviously, it's not meant to be like a crowd-pleasing popcorn thriller or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't like try to win you story. over. Yeah, it's not supposed to be that. Yeah. But at the same time, I just felt kind of miserable watching it, <laughs> and that was not you know something I'd really want to do. And in addition, I feel like I'm tired of this kind of story, this type of character, because we've already seen it twice with 
Martin Scorsese's other films, Goodfellas and Casino, right? And it's funny to compare this to mob movies, but this is essentially the exact same story that we've seen in those two movies where, you know, a guy like lusts for power in the one thing he's good at doing and you Fucks know, the, the pursuit yeah. of that of that um, realization um, like affects his relationship with the other people in his life negatively and then it spirals out of control and then they fall out of it, right? And then you see what happens after. And like, I'm just kind of tired of seeing that type of character who's like super abusive and angry and violent um, and trying to succeed. It's just, I've, I've seen this too many times, I think. Yeah, I get, I get that. Um, and and it, it's curious that like it's those movies because what you can, yes most people what their favorite Scorsese movies are they're gonna say Goodfellas they're gonna say this one maybe Casino Wolf of Wall Street or high on the list Departed I think will be high on that list where he has like this whole other side of his career that I think feel is grossly underwatched and in a way more complicated um, mm. or at least different um, where we have movies like Age of Innocence um, and Last Temptation of Christ and things like that um, that. Kundun that like have things to say, silence that people don't don't discuss, and it's a shame that that part of his filmography is so ignored. Frankly, yeah. I I had <clears throat> trouble figuring out what to walk away with this movie from because like I don't feel like I don't like in the mob movies at least like everybody gets killed like everybody <laughs> everybody like kind of gets their comeuppance mm -hmm. and he, I guess he kind of gets it oh he absolutely in, does yeah yeah but not I don't know it seems like what when like I was watching this I was more focused on like kind of like the enablers in this person's life where the, the Pesci character yeah or, or just like in general like the way that we think about like sports figures we often sort of like, and this is true today, we just, like, ignore their, like, personal lives. Mm -hmm. In music, this is true, like, because all the, like, R. Kelly interview stuff came yeah, out. So that, it, yeah, the, that came out the day we're recording this. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, it's interesting to think about it, like, through that lens. And, I mean, Scorsese's a smart guy, so I'm sure, like, he's thinking about that, too. I, I just don't, I, I guess what's interesting about, about the movie is that it shows, like, what an awful person he is. Yeah. Right. Whereas, like, in other sports movies, again, most of which are not negative, we don't really see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, well, and a lot of them are fictional. Like, it's, it's important that this specific sports movie, this specific boxing movie, is based on an actual guy. Like, it is based on a biography that was written about him. Like, it tracks pretty closely. An autobiography. His, it, yeah, yeah. It tracks pretty closely with his life. Right, as opposed to Rocky, which is you know a fictional guy. Also, also interesting to read that he was a technical advisor on this film. He trained De Niro. Yeah. To box. Yeah. And De Niro and actually boxed. Make him look like a terrible person. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah like the, it, it, the real Lamada, who was still alive when they made this, like trained De Niro as a boxer, and De Niro actually entered real yeah. boxing matches and yeah, did two, well. Two. two of them and did well. Wow. Evidently. Yeah. Also, the real Lamada only died like two years ago. Yeah, 2017. I was shocked to read that. Yeah, because he he must have so much brain damage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and like his life just seemed like a mess. It seems like it's all like, he did was smoke and drink, and after he was retired, and for a while before he retired. Yeah, <laughs> clearly he had diet yeah. problems, and uh, I guess drugs were weirdly absent in this movie. Yeah, which I don't know if that's Scorsese. accurate or not, because like yeah. Scorsese has not been shy about depicting drug use in his films. Yeah, so. maybe just accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yes, yeah, I, I was surprised I was, by that as yeah. well. That <laughs> I was he like, wow, he is yeah. a survivor, <laughs> <laughs> which I get is his reputation, right? I mean, if you're an athlete, I guess you you know you, you train for like guess. you know thirty five years. I clearly so. hated it. Yeah, 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 he clearly did. I mean, it yeah. sounds miserable because like you can't. Eat while you're training, basically. Yeah, or if you do, uh, you have to, you know. Well, don't you have to eat to like maintain your muscle mass and all that? Right, or yeah, you have but, to stop eating to get underweight. Yeah. To get to make weight, um, which was a plot point of one of the only like box, boxing plot points in this yeah. movie. Um, I, so for me, watching this movie, you know, the third or fourth time, however many times I've seen it, it was better than I remembered it. Like I was really impressed with this viewing. I enjoyed it a lot. Like to to me, this one stacks up. 
easily, probably it's the, the superior to Goodfellas and Casino and like those mob movies that Scorsese does. I, I really appreciate it. Like on a formal level, like this is a masterwork and has been recognized as that since it was made. Um, but I appreciated that this was a much closer character study than we see in movies like Goodfellas um, and Casino, where like, yeah, we understand that you know, Ray Liotta is a bad guy in this one, but here we, we really see the inner life of Jake Lamada in this movie, and we see that guy embodied in a way that we don't in other Scorsese films. It doesn't look cool. Right, um, and, it, it, yeah. and it doesn't have, it, you can characterize that as a problem or not, and I think that there's a lot of ways to read Goodfellas and Casino and, and Wolf of Wall Street that see the coolness of those leads as problematic. I think that might be a little bit of a misreading, but this movie doesn't do that at all. At no point is he glorified. It doesn't make boxing look cool either. No, it, makes, like, it makes it's... boxing look, because it, 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 like they've described those boxing scenes, which are apparently only 10 minutes out of the two plus hour runtime of this movie, like the in very you know grand terms, like people have called them arias and things like that. And <laughs> from a technical level, that is true, and like this movie was voted by the editor, film editors, professional association as the best edited film of all time, largely because of those scenes. Like a lot of that had to be done in camera. They didn't have all the digital manipulation that they had to, like, match the sound editing that they needed to do to have the slowing down and speeding up like they did throughout, and they have the, the like such an active camera throughout those boxing scenes. So to me, it like what Scorsese manages to do here is to make those boxing sequences look beautiful without making them look cool, right? And like that is such a, a tough needle to thread, mm -hmm. right? Because at no point do you want to be Jacomata. At no point do you want to to become more like him or to see him really even win. But yeah. it always looks gorgeous from a filmmaking perspective, and like that is very very impressive to me. Like that, that is stunning. Like there are so many shots that in all of them in the in the ring that stand apart, right? Like you have De Niro leaning against the ropes, arms spread wide on either side of him. You know, like that's an unforgettable shot. You have him after that when Scorsese pans around the ring and you have the blood dripping from the rope, right? Like an image that Scorsese was very obsessed with, the the mic dropping down from the sky, so that's like it's the only thing that you see in the frame and coming down on this massive crowd scene. Right, like it's that stuff was was very very impressive to me, and then how well he contrasted the violence in the beauty of the violence in the ring with the utter like grotesque savagery of the violence outside of the ring, right? Because there his camera work is very different, right? We have a much more we have a much more still and unnoticed camera, and I think that it call it calls the atten the audience's attention to it a lot less. Like it takes a lot more standard kind of framing and things like that, so that the violence that we're seeing feels much more brutal and real. And so it makes this, this violence over here horrifying and bad, and this violence in this other context in the ring beautiful and impressive, right? And well, I think actually, I, I thought it was strange that to me the <coughs> boxing matches didn't look beautiful. Really? Um, there was just something very brutal about all the fights. Also that, right? The, I mean, in the same way that you described the domestic violence, mm -hmm. um, even the the boxing, the fights didn't didn't seem that glorified. There's something felt very raw and savage about those fights. Yeah, so you're right, right? And I think that, that they're not glorified, and I think that's what's so impressive about mm -hmm. it. But from like a, a formal perspective, in terms of just like how those scenes are constructed and framed and presented to us, the audience, right? Like that there is something formally elevating about them. Mm -hmm that the very standard version or standard filmmaking techniques that we see outside of the ring contrast with, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's a very conscious decision yeah. on Scorsese's part and for a movie that I think really is primarily about the role of violence. And violence has an intersects with masculinity, violence has an intersects with power, uh, violence has an intersects with domesticity. Um, and you see that in just the way that this movie is constructed. I mean, I think the use of blood is important here. That yes. it, like, it's over the top, but like shows the results of violence. Mm -hmm. um, like the stain of violence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, unlike a lot of movies that do, that don't bother to show the 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 results, mm -hmm. this one sort of highlights them, or it's like mm -hmm. even more important. It, like, it it 
it puts that in front of like actually showing the violence even. Yeah, like Scorsese had to be talked into making this movie. He didn't want to do it because he didn't find boxing very interesting. <laughs> um, but when he went to a boxing match, the images that he found compelling were the blood on the rope, which we see, and the sponge used between rounds on the boxer's actual bodies. And we get very close shots of both of those images, and they are very striking mm -hmm. and unsurprisingly biblical coming from, you know, Scorsese. It's Catholic Scorsese, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lamato is Catholic. Uh, of course, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's a bunch of like pictures of Jesus all over his house. Yeah, but <laughs> the cross hanging over his bed. That seems, <laughs> while he's yeah. cheating on his wife. As always seems important to Scorsese. That it it he's, is. Like he's always, he can't get away from Catholicism. <laughs> yeah, but it's clearly very central to him. I think he's still observant. Like two days, I think that he's still. That, that's interesting, because yeah. it would seem like, well, I mean, if you're challenged by people like this who are also Catholic, but the, well, yeah, I mean, that, don't other, otherwise don't seem to observe. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. uh, you could broadly put Catholics into two categories, I think, and there's those that are like treat the faith as like a checklist, and it's like you're supposed to show up here, you do that thing, you check it off, you're a Catholic, you go home, and then there are those that are tortured by it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and Scorsese, Scorsese is the that. kind, yeah. very clearly the kind that is tortured by it, and that's where you see like the other half of his filmmaking, with movies like Silence and Last Temptation, right, like that's his Catholic torture. Even Casino like has like really sure. strong like Catholic undertones, yeah. like good, the no notion of like hell and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And what you deserve and those kind of things. Oh, Goodfellas did that too. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Um, and like what what we're doling out and not doling out, like what you see in Wolf of Wall Street. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, the, this movie really blew me away this time. This is probably my favorite viewing of it. Mm -hmm. Period. Um, so maybe it just improves upon multiple viewings. Maybe it improves with age. I'm older now, and I'm more familiar with Scorsese now. But yeah, I thought this was very very good. Um, it kind of stands apart. Uh, from other boxing movies, like the, in, in such a way that I, I can't really find an easy comparison in that subgenre. Uh, yeah, I found it challenging just because it's such a horrific watch. <laughs> it's, <coughs> like, you, it's like an hour and forty of like domestic abuse. Longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. okay, in terms of like just the domestic abuse. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, ten minutes of boxing, boxing, hour and forty-five domestic violence. Right, yeah. literally ten minutes. Like yeah. that is the runtime of the boxing sequences. Yeah, it's it's good, sort of like in opposition to Rocky. Yes, because uh, Rocky sort of is just like oh yeah, you know, you just stick to it, and you know, you'll be the champ. And yep. if you work hard enough, yeah. you'll get the thing. And um, you can like. Creepily stock women, and it's fine. Yeah, that's what Rocky seems to say. It's like <laughs> right, just persist. Yeah, whereas like here, like the opposite of both of those things is true. Where like his persistence as a champion like gets him there, but it seems to cost him everything. And it, it, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like once yeah. he has it, it's like there's no like celebratory scene. There's not even a moment where he seems very pleased with being the champ. Yeah. Right. Like he's in the ring. He raises his arms. He seems happy then. But like the next sequence is just he's back at home. And now. it's important that he like yeah. has to like break his belt to like sell the jewels from right. it later. Right. And then the like, guy complains like, just give me the belt. Like that's worth way more than these dumb jewels. Yeah. yeah but all he knows <laughs> is violence. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's what you see over and over again here. Yeah, and then his like toxic like personal relationships. Right. Well, and his his deep insecurity, right? Like that he that yeah. so much of these problems are 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 driven by this inadequacy whether it's sexual, whether it's professional, whatever it is, and that's what drives this jealousy and it's and and where I think you see most clearly that this movie is about toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean the idea is always that like maybe you'd feel sure about yourself once you become the champion or whatever. Right. right? And it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Or like it just in general like navigates well the like romantic notions of like being a champion actually showing that it's like. Well, you know, in reality, you kind of like sacrifice everything, and, uh, and you your know. life kind of sucks because you're just like always trying to be the champion. Like you can't do anything else. Right. Because like part of like the the one of the grievances that his wife has is that he's really boring to be around because he's just yeah. like always training and doesn't drink or go out because he's focused on being a boxer. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. And and to that point, like. We don't, there are no training sequences in this movie. None. 
right? Like there's no. No, there is. He's when, when he's in the uh, steam. Oh, room. you're right. Like towards the yeah, towards the beginning, we have him like fighting his brother in the ring. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's a few. And like yeah. the mob boss shows up. But uh, they aren't there aren't training sequences like there are in Rocky. No, no, it's right? not like he's bad and then he gets better. And then he, and then he improves, yeah. right? Like the, the, those brief training sequences that we do get in our character beats. Yeah. Right? Well, he's already good. Right. Which speaks to the notion that like origin stories are stupid. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. like you just this, skip it. <laughs> this is fine. It's just, he's a boxer. Cool. He's a boxer. All right. Yeah. yeah. That's where we are. But like usually, even with people that are already good, already boxers, you still have these. You need to prepare for this fight. Like this is that. That's what happens in Rocky sequels. That's yeah. what happens yeah. in Raid. And here like, he's just like being told like not to eat because right. And, <laughs> and most yeah. of it is like them hanging out at their house having arguments. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's a lot of what what the train where the training sequences would be. Yeah. He's Which, not like fighting to get better. He's like fighting. <clears throat> own impulses right and losing yeah yeah that's just it because I, I was thinking of Creed while watching this movie which I really do think is a fantastic film like I really really like Creed I think it does a lot of things basically everything correct but how Creed treats, treats championships is that you solve your inner problems your personal problems you resolve your character conflict and then you can become champion right like yeah. as you become a more complete person you are able to overcome this professional challenge and be rewarded for it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie is, like you were saying, Crossman, is not saying that. It's like you have to accentuate and exacerbate your personal problems in order to achieve this thing. Yeah. And that those problems will still be there and will be worse once you have the thing. Or, yeah, the notion of like winning requires the sacrifice of everything else. Right. And then the win is ultimately hollow. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Right? Which yeah. is, tracks fairly close with Friday Night Lights. Right, where the, they end up losing in that one. But yeah. still, where it's like the, the striving for the thing doesn't necessarily improve you. Right? Like sometimes the striving is just pain, useless pain. Yeah, I think that's where this movie differentiates itself from like the mafia movies of Scorsese, mm-hmm. where, because like they're like, at least they're like enjoying their money. Yeah, there's like good time sequences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least they're like, Doing drugs, right? You know, right. like, like, there's, come on, like, and blow. yeah. If you're gonna make millions of dollars, you might as well like enjoy your millions. enjoy it. I think well, like I think ca- casino to, like underlines that. You got to enjoy his club a little bit. It's a yeah, but even then, the it feels though. sad, right? Because right, it's just like him and like being a gross weirdo. Yeah, and making out with children. Yeah, and being an alcoholic. Right. Yeah, like, being horribly out of shape and you know like obsessed with these. Stupid, really stupid things. Yeah, so yeah, he just like never enjoys it. <laughs> yeah, and, and to me, I think that that like what you see from Scorsese here is he knows the studio system is closing in on him when he's making this movie, right? Because like this is this was made 1979, comes out in 1980, like. The freewheeling seventies, where they were able to like kind of make anything, and that's how Taxi Driver ends up being produced and things like that. Like, I think Scorsese knows that those good times are ending, and this is the movie that he decides to make. Like, mourning that in a sense that like we we can't hold on to this good thing. Like, we too will end up falling. We too will end up not being able to produce in the way that we we had before. Um, and I think that. <clears throat> there is like the kind of this metal level thing going on in this film that like because the, the Scorsese was convinced to make this movie after he had like OD'd and was in the hospital and De Niro goes to visit him and says we need to make this boxing movie and that's when he saw like a parallel in his own life to Lamada's life mm-hmm. and I think I think you see it in the movie here in, in the movie itself right like that there's this sense of a fall right and like a sense of a mourning of something. Um, yeah. And this movie is all mourning. Like, there's no celebration. It's just all loss. I, I read on the wiki that Joe Pesci hadn't been acting for like four years when they like found him. a restaurant. Yeah, he was managing an Italian <laughs> restaurant in New Jersey, which is like. Yeah. <laughs> and like De Niro fucking picks him up, picks him out of you know obscurity, because he saw him on some movie somewhere. Yeah. In a tiny role and says, "Yeah, now you're." And back. then he helped find uh, Moriarty and Frank Vincent. Yep. For their roles. Yeah. It's kind of extraordinary. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, like, that's Pesci goes on to have a great career. Strong career through the 80s and 90s. Yeah. 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 And it's still making movies. Like, he, he has a movie coming out with Scorsese this year. Hmm. Him and De Niro and somebody else. 
Um, oh, and the, the Irishman? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, but that, that's like the like the regular Scorsese crowd, right? Right, yeah, exactly. But they're still it's making the shit. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think De Niro and Scorsese have made a movie in a little while. It's been like a decade, I think. Uh, yeah, I think De Niro's kind of done with like prestige film. He's, he's just running the Tribeca Film Festival. I think that's yeah. really what he is focusing on. And, you know, more power to He's like in, like, Bad Grandpa and the, right. the to fund the To fund Tribeca. That's why he does that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, fine. Like, that's, that's fine. I, but there was, like, an attempt, like, maybe 10 years ago now, where it was, like, De Niro, Pacino, finally on screen together. Yeah. Uh, Heat. No, no, no. It was that. It was, that. It was, that. It was post that. Oh, after Heat? Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was some like terrible movie that like no one ended up watching. Oh well, we already have Heat. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. but they were it was like really built up as like their reunion film. Okay, I, I have I, a very right vague recollection of this, but nothing beyond that. And then it seems like since then he's just been like, ah, nah, we're not gonna do that anymore. <clears throat> right, I think he has other interests now, and he's yeah. seventy-five or whatever. Do whatever you want to do. Like he's he's already got a storied career. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, what do we think about Pesci in this movie? He's, he, um, I think, was nominated for Academy Award. De Niro actually won. Pesci was nominated. And he, won yeah, he was nominated for a few other awards, too. Over the course of his career? No, 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 for this film. But this, like, this like, movie was nominated for like eight things. One, two. Yeah, not just Oscars. Like He was nominated for like <clears throat> SAG things and, oh, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I, I think he's good. He's not like Maximum Pesci here, which is like <laughs> good. Yeah. It's so uh, similar to the usual character he plays. Yeah, he doesn't have a ton of range. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, so it just felt like seeing more of the same to me. Like, it's a slight variation on it. He's not, like, quite as unhinged as he is in other films. Well, this is the first one. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's kind of what I expect from Joe Pesci. He has that scene yeah. where he's in the bar and he fights the mafia. Yeah, that's the most like, stereotypically Pesci scene. I'm like, yeah, there he is. <laughs> Goes hog wild and beats the hell out of a guy. More of this stuff. For no reason. To me, I think this is my favorite Pesci performance. All right, just in his career. I think that we see more from this character than we see from most of the other characters. I think it does stand apart from from Casino and Goodfellas and you know Home Alone, and like that. To me, like we see some nuance here. We see this guy struggling to like get his brother in line while also knowing that there are financial considerations and that there's like professional concerns that he's worried about along with the relationship that he has to mend between the wife and the brother because he has a relationship with his own brother as well as a career that depends on his brother like being competent. And I think you see that in the performance. Like I think it's there for Pesci, especially like that scene when they're trying to get the TV to work, right? Like that one was really affecting. Like, yeah. I, yeah. When, I, when, uh, I like him here. When uh, <coughs> De Niro's like asking him if he slept with his, with his wife and he says, right. just, I'm just not gonna answer that, right? right. I think that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that was a really strong performance from him um, and I, I, I like it a lot. Like I'm really impressed with impressed with Pesci in this movie. Um, so thumbs up there. Yeah, I thought Moriarty's performance is pretty good too. Absolutely. As yeah. Someone who's like an abuse victim. And like yeah. 17 years old when they made this. Yeah. Like they, I think the production schedule was kind of long, so I saw like I did some research, and if you, some said it was 17, some 18, some 19. So those might all be right, for all I know. But she was really, really young. Like, she was, her character's supposed to be 15 at the beginning of the movie, which yeah. seems kind of weird. Yeah, so there's like a significant age gap. I don't know yeah. if things were like different in the 40s. I mean, they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were, still, though. Yes, it's still unsettling. Um, but yeah, she was supposed to be very young, and there's actually like a 13, like a significant age gap between Moriarty and De Niro as individuals. Um, so, but yeah, she's brilliant. I think she's great. Yeah, I I don't feel like I know her from anything else. I, I don't know if she did. I, I took a brief look at her IMDb. I don't know if she has done that much big name stuff since this movie. And really, like, you start with what is largely considered one of the greatest movies ever made. It's kind of hard to, you know, top that. Yeah, but usually, like... <laughs> you just, I mean, especially yeah. carved out a career, De Niro carved out a career, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't seen much from her, but I really like her here. I think she's very good. Yeah, I... I like her later when she finally like finds her ground yes. and is able to like just sort of quietly tell him to like get out and there, yeah. It, it, was, it was incredible when Nero <clears throat> literally busts into the bathroom and she like kind of sarcastically tells him off. Yeah. While this like raging boxer is attacking her. Yeah. Like that that takes some balls. Yeah, and there's like an exasperation to her performance, right? Yeah. Cuz I think like early in the film you see her like the character like 
is actually in love with Amada and like wants to make this work, but like by the last third or so, she's just tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. see that in the performance, and I think that's where Mar Moriarty really shines here. Yeah, I mean, I think she sees like how a ring's so hollow because like when you first see them meet, it's because like he has uh, a car. Yeah, and that's like his like. <laughs> you want to go for a ride? Sure. Yeah, that's like his only like character trait at right. that point, basically. And they try to go mini golfing, and it like doesn't work. Yeah, and they leave. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. like I guess that's it. It just shows like how boring he is. Right, and like yeah. here's this tour of his very normal looking apartment, and, and then he makes her sit on his lap. It's kind of weird. Right. Yeah, and then he just is kind of a weird, awkward dude for a while. Um, so yeah, he's just not that interesting if he's not boxing, and he's not that alive if he's not boxing, um, which means he's just. Not that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which we'd see over the film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, it, but De Niro, to his credit, like still finds so much color in this guy, right? Like still finds so much space to create a compelling performance out of this guy who's kind of defined by one thing, right? And is moved by this this one thing, um, and you know, there's a reason he got the Oscar for this one. They got it right there. <laughs> for once. For once. Um, Paul Schrader wrote this, um, who had teamed up with De Niro and Scorsese earlier for Taxi Driver, which really put him on the map. Um, he, it was a rewrite from uh, a different screenwriter who's not as famous as the most famous screenwriter in the world. <laughs> um, and Schrader was brought in to you know, fix it, essentially. Um, the scene that got cut, evidently, was when he, towards the end of the movie when uh, Lamada is in jail and he punches the wall, right? Like and he yeah. smashes his head against the wall. That was replacing a scene where he's supposed to be masturbating in jail and isn't able to um, and only gets close when he's thinking about all the women that he's hit and abused. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's... <clears throat> Damn. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what Paul Schrader wrote initially. Um, that did not make the final cut. I don't know if they actually ever actually shot that, but it did not make it into the theatrical release. Yikes. Uh, oh, my God. So, yeah, it gets, uh, it gets pretty serious there. Paul, Paul Schrader's a... a <laughs> I mean, it's already, like, insanely dark. Like, Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, that's supposed to be the low point of this character, who's just, like, a series of low points. Um, so you have, to, <laughs> you have to go for something there. But... Um, yeah, that's what was originally written. That was already a very uncomfortable scene to watch. It sure was. He feels like he should have broken his hand. Right, you punch a wall that much, feels like you should just break your hand. Yeah, I mean, he might have, we don't really know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's implied that that happens, right? Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. You mean yeah. like IRL De Niro should have? or No, like the character should have broken his hand. Yeah. I guess like he was clearly in pain. Yeah, it's but... implied that he like did, right? Yeah, okay, maybe. I, I, I must have missed it. Yeah. yeah you're, you're probably right. Because that would make sense. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing yeah. that I noticed on this viewing that I thought was really effective is the um, sound mixing and sound design, which, like, and especially like the dynamic levels of what was going on was really well done here. And like how it was really hard to hear the dialogue sometimes, <laughs> and to the point where like you kind of just had to intuit what these guys were talking about because the conversations feel like almost improvised and like they're all over the place. And contrast it again with what's going on in the ring, where like every punch just sounds like a fucking cannon, mm -hmm. and all the crowd is just roaring, and like the contrast between like when he gets his bell rung and like the sound drops out and it like rushes back in as he he enters the fight again, like that, especially in 1980, like that's really hard to do well, mm -hmm. um, and I I found that really added to the. Yeah, it reminded me of the here. scene in Casino where they kind of like meet up late in the movie <coughs> and they're like hiding their mouths and like talking sure. talking to each other. It's like if the whole movie was that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it really was that. It was like, there's always like a secret that they were telling. Right, right. And, and, and to me, I think that suggests like an intimacy to the film. That like once we're not in Madison Square Garden or wherever, that the world is really just like these three people, right? And like how they're interacting with one another. And it becomes just very tightly focused and like very yeah. intimate. And it's not like he's like, again, going back to the notions of success, it's not like he's like buying a mansion and like right. living in the mansion. He's just like still in his like, like average looking house. Yeah, he just has like a suburban house in Queens and or the Bronx and yeah. yeah. And that's and, that. Yeah, and we just like <laughs> see him buying a TV and... The TV doesn't work. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or again, like, 
them at the lunch table, mm -hmm. and we're like there with them because like the way the camera's framed. So, right. What'd, yeah. What would you get like that? That kind of like the the very mundane. Everything is so mundane outside of the boxing ring. Right, like it is. It does not elevate his whole life. Yes, it's really an anti-sports movie. Yeah, it's this is a sports movie by someone who doesn't like sports. Which yeah. Scorsese is on the record saying that. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't very interested in boxing. He didn't think it was visually compelling, and like he didn't want to make a movie about it until he found this like connection with Lamada through their mutual drug abuse. Um, so that that's what got him here. For De Niro, he read Lamada's book while filming Godfather Part Two, mm -hmm. and like he was the one that was pushing it like he that's the reason this movie exists it's much more a product in a sense more a product of De Niro's desire for this movie to be made than, than Scorsese's yeah um, even though this is like very closely associated with the both of them um, but yeah like this, this would be his follow-up to Godfather 2 I believe I don't think there's a movie in between the two of them um, yeah I don't know if that I had but, yeah. but Taxi Driver is like three years before this five years before this yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I want to say '76. Sure. For Taxi Driver, something like that. Yeah, that's a great movie. I love Taxi Driver. That one I have seen. I did. I do remember enjoying that one quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the story is a bit different. The character is not um, like this type of character from this one that I'm annoyed by seeing. Mm -hmm. um, so I much prefer that one. Yeah. I. It, I mean, I like both. I'll just say that I like them both. Mm -hmm. And but it's the same. Like holy. Trinity of filmmakers, where it's yeah. Scorsese, De Niro, and Schrader, um, and that's great. That is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tough watch. Surprising things here. Yeah, this is yeah. It's not a popcorn flick, right? It's not something no. you put on casually, <laughs> but I think it is something that you can watch a lot and get a lot out of. So, like, if you do want you know serious cinema, if you do want something that is going to give you a lot to chew on thematically in terms of examining performances, in terms of examining the formal structure um, and production of it. Like, this has it all. It really does have it all for me. Like, I, I think this is a great movie. What do we make of the, <clears throat> the on the waterfront um, reference at the end? Oh, the yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you, neither of you have seen on the waterfront, I've right? I have not, no. Okay, so, I mean, that speech does kind of sum it up in that, like, the Brando character who delivers that speech that he has at the end of it is talking to his brother and saying and describing to him that like the Brando character's life is kind of crummy and like he's having a really hard time and is basically living in poverty because if his father who has his father his brother who has these mob connections wasn't looking out for him right like wasn't uh -huh. well, they had him take a dive just like Lamada did in uh, in his big fight and like his his big shot um, and so I think what's what struck me on this viewing um, regarding that monologue is like how bad Lamato was, like how much he's not Brando. I like went back and found that clip and just listened to it like out of context. Like I didn't sit on and watch all on the waterfront. Just found it on YouTube and even in that, you know, two minutes, it's still just so affecting. Like, yeah. You feel it so hard when, when Brando delivers that line. Well it seems like Lamata <clears throat> is delivering that line just like he's just quoting it. He's not trying yeah. to reenact it or like act it out. He's right. just quoting it as like a text. Yeah, because um, he's not an actor. But, yeah, exactly. But there's still a reason he chose that line and not any number of other you know famous monologues yeah. from that film of that era. Because um, Brando has several, right? He was quoting Shakespeare yeah. earlier, right? Well, I mean, this one directly relates to a situation. Exactly, right. And I think that that's what they're, they're calling it to, to mind here is that he, he did have a chance, right? Like he could have had a better life. Yeah, although my... different choices. My read of this is that he's trying to find a way to foist the blame onto everyone else except That's himself. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. Um, because the, the quote literally says, like, you know, it's because of all this stuff you did to me, otherwise mm -hmm. I could have been a contender. Yeah. And he's complaining to his brother, right? And it directly mirrors his situation where he sees it like he could have been more successful, but his brother told him different things to do. Whereas we see that clearly his downfall is just his own... Being a violent asshole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His own vices, his own problems. They, they're, they're his real yeah, problems. Yeah, you're right. And, and that, I think that is what Schrader intended. Yeah. I think Scorsese kind of undercuts it 
when he has that Bible quote at the end <laughs> about how he was blind but now can see. Like Scorsese always fucks it up somehow. <laughs> he, he, that's, I mean, it's the U2 song of this movie. Oh, it is. Right, like it he has is. a few. The like, Hands That Built America. Hands That Built America, that for the Bible quote here, and then the rat. The rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, did you see the thing on Twitter about the guy that wants to like uh, digitally remove the rat from being <laughs> departed, <laughs> and he got a cease and desist letter from Warner Brothers. <laughs> he had to shut down his Kickstarter, nice. <laughs> but he had, like mapped out how he was going to spend all the money. So he's like, I need a Kickstarter for like ten thousand dollars or whatever. Fourteen dollars are going to be spent on a DVD of <laughs> Departed, <laughs> and he would like break it down that way. That's and great. Like, and I need to spend like. $4,000 to hire a guy that knows how to digitally alter video. <laughs> and then I'm going to spend another, you know, $115 on 40 copies of the DVD, on 40 blank DVDs so that I can burn them for you and send them out to the people that support the, <laughs> support the show. It was, it was really quite funny. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of Warner Brothers lawsuits, apparently they... Um, Sued Lamada, who was like producing a sequel to this film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Looks um, like Raging Bull Two. Raging Bull Two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. More which, bulls. Which got made, but has a different title. Um, Bronx Bull. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But it, weirdly, it was supposed to be uh, the origin story, like it was, it was <laughs> Raging Bull Two, but it was about like how he trained up to be a boxer. Yeah. So it's just like, what if Raging Bull were actually Rocky? Yeah. It's like, who wants to watch that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, thank you. Um, but yeah, that movie did eventually get made. I have not seen it and probably won't never see it. It came out like five years ago. Yeah, okay. Fine. Yeah. Before he died, I guess. Um, but yeah, I did, I, did, I did catch that. Um, so we have a new segment. Yeah. Okay. Crossman, do you want to tell us about what the new segment is? Yeah, I think we're going to call it Hot Takes. Sure. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're going to look at a, uh, a, a negative review of, of mm. a famous film like this. Um, so this film doesn't have a ton of negative reviews, but there was uh, one that I found uh, via Rotten Tomatoes. Right. So, and this was a this is a contemporary or contemporary with the movie. Yeah. This review, so this right? this came out in 1980, and it was from the New York Daily News. Okay. So what did who is it? Um, so it's written by a reviewer named uh, Kathleen Carroll. Okay. Um, she was not a fan of this movie. Um, I'm gonna skip. Some of the yeah, beginning the here. Yeah, yeah. Pick some, some choice moments. Um, so, so, okay. Uh, so kind of like a couple sentences in, it, it goes, um, it took a featherweight-sized filmmaker named Martin Scorsese <laughs> to score a knockout punch against LaMotta with such a merciless portrait of the barrel-chested boxer he comes across as one of the most repugnant characters in the history of movies. That's true. True story. True. Except for the featherweight Scorsese jab. Yeah, uh, I, but the, the point of, we'll get to it. But like, she sees that as like a, 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 a negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Lamada served as a technical consultant on Scorsese's Raging Bull, which is based on his autobiography. But one would think he would be disturbed by this all-out assault on his character. <laughs> <laughs> The movie, mostly filmed in black and white, which gives it a 30s look, totally ignores his reform school background, offering no explanations as to his antisocial behavior. Scorsese, in fact, seems deliberately to resist any opportunity to show LaMotta as anything but a wounded beast who seems to be in constant battle with himself and everyone around him. Okay, yes. Yes. Like, that seems to be the point of the film. <laughs> like, you're describing the point of the film. That is what it's about. Um, in one hyped-up scene after another, he's first seen smacking his first wife around for overcooking a steak. Uh, he then casually dumps her after becoming hopelessly infatuated with Vicky. Um, skipping ahead, the early years of his marriage to Vicky was uh, um, just how the Catholic LaMotta was able to acquire a divorce is left a mystery. <laughs> Scenes which might have shown him in a more sympathetic light are quickly dismissed in a happy montage of imitation home movie shots done in blazing color. Um, so again, like I, I think what's confusing about this review is that the reviewer seems to want to like LaMotta right. after watching this movie. Like, why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there just some like attitude that like all the protagonists have to be the good guys or something? I think that's the assumption that's being made here, which is like, 
confusing. But, but maybe part of the reason why this movie is like kind of revolutionary in that like it doesn't celebrate its subject. You're right. I but but I feel like that would have happened in film before. I mean, Taxi Driver already sort of did that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and you know that got really yeah. confused. Not yeah, for everybody, yeah. but from some people. Um, I, what I, what's interesting about this one for me is that it's one of those negative reviews where I think this is a masterpiece. I'll read the review and say, "Yep, all that is correct." <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I agree with all of these things. Yeah. She's like, accurately describing this movie <laughs> and a lot of the things that made it great, but using those as negatives is kind of strange. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of the bit uh, at the the story at the premiere where Lamada is there and Vicky is there, are there, obviously, and they are long divorced at this point. And <clears throat> Lamada approaches her after the movie and he and he says, Vicky, I'm so sorry, I never I didn't know it got that bad. And Vicky says, Honey, you were worse. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. Oh no! Yeah. Like apparently he was really shaken by this movie. Like he, like didn't get it until he saw it depicted outside of himself. I mean, at least maybe he got it eventually. <laughs> right. Hopefully, right. and that that seems to be at least the moral of that story. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So the <clears throat> review review continues. Um, after hitting the skids in real life, Lamada supposedly wised up a little bit, but one would never know it from watching Raging Bull. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, again, like, this is not... Now what the movie's about. It's not a redemption arc. Right, like, right. And if you yeah. want redemption arc stories, like, there's a lot of them out there. Just watch any other film. Like, or Rocky that came out two years before this Yeah, yeah, ever, exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, Maybe that's what the reviewer went in expecting. I mean, like, you and I had ex- expectations about this movie that were... <clears throat> You know, That's true. Contrary to what it actually was, yeah. And this reviewer went in with the same expectations. Certainly, what it sounds like. But there, but I mean, obviously, that's why the movie's notable. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that like, this speaks to how how hard it really can be to identify something new in the moment, right? Like, there, this is not an isolated case where somebody watches a thing we yeah. now just, we now understand as a classic and says like this is fine or this is bad or whatever, right? Like, we watched Vertigo a while ago. Like that movie was not understood as a classic until. Years down the line, Citizen Kane was almost not released. Yeah, I read that this kind of flopped when it came out, or mm-hmm. like it wasn't like a huge success to the point where Scorsese was like concerned that his career was over. Right, like it, yeah. it made its money back, but not a lot. Not yeah, a lot. <laughs> I guess the trick here is distinguishing when it's something new versus like something done poorly. Yeah, which is hard. Like being a film critic is hard. Understanding movies is hard, right? Like, and it, that's why. We have conversations. Yeah, a lot of these observations just seem wrong. So, like, continuing on here. um, So, uh, so De Niro has spared no effort in his attempt to capture the essential traits and to match the physical appearance of, of dogged fighter of the dogged fighter. Yeah. Um, He went so far as to gain sixty pounds to demonstrate the total deterioration of Lamada's once trim body, and the effect is startling, as if De Niro had willed himself to look exactly like the bloated Lamada. But for all of. But for all of De Niro's dedication and determination, Lamada remains a one-note character. Hmm. I don't think that's true. It's not, yeah. No, I think that a lot of the people in his life may have understood him that way, right? Like that he is just a meathead or he's boring or whatever, but he has more going on. A lot of it is awful and leads to awfulness. But and some of that happens in like private moments, but like right. because it's a movie, we see those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But I don't think that means that the character is, is flat or uninteresting, as evidenced by you know the movie being interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and while Moriarty, who is truly a knockout, aptly demonstrates Vicky's increasingly sullen withdrawal <clears throat> from Lamada, it is impossible to understand why she puts up with him for as long as she does. Well, that's straight victim blaming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1980. That's what that says. Yeah. It's 1980. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Especially, go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for a lot of reasons. But um, Raging Bull is punctuated with some of the most horrifyingly graphic boxing sequences ever filmed. That sure. is true. That is true. Yeah, yes, remains true. <laughs> At one point, the violence is so extreme that ringsiders are splattered with Lamada's blood. That did feel a little absurd, but probably happened in it, real it life. Got kind I don't of Tarantino like. Yeah, it did. Like, yeah, he gets a little gash on his like eyebrow, and it just. Gushes blood out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it also doesn't have like the viscosity of blood. In yeah, yeah. This this is aided the, by the black and white. I think. That we yeah, don't, we don't see how thin it might actually be. Um, and this is a spot I think where Scorsese like correctly cuts away quickly. Like we get that splatter and it's like right back in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're well, not, it would be a, like 
absurd and right exactly like he, yeah. he you know narrowly avoids that with the quick cut um, and, and and the other I think really explicit and perhaps more explicit moment is when he actually does approach Sugar Ray after their last fight and says you never knock me down Ray and like both of his eyes are just like swollen over and yeah. can barely talk and like that is far more gruesome when you, you see the aftermath right like you see yeah. the effects of violence um, okay, <clears throat> so getting to the end here. Yeah. Uh, there's no denying the emotional power of these scenes, but one wishes that Scorsese would end his Italian-American guilt trip and stop exposing mean-tempered, self-destructive characters like Amada, whose personality problems he apparently feels stem from their cultural environment. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, Ooh, that's yeah. like a... Yeah, I, I did not read that in this film. Yeah, although, well, I mean, the cultural environment environment establishes, like, the expectations of masculinity that kind of sculpt how his character might think, right? Right, but that's, like, American culture, not Italian. Oh, culture. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like that. Yeah. I think in a more general sense, it, it could still be true, but it, um, right. it's Italian. Yeah, and if that was their problem with this movie, he definitely didn't like a lot of the stuff he did after this. Yeah. <laughs> he does not get away from that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was probably not a fan of Goodfellas. No, or or Wolf of Wall Street, if she was still around for that one. Uh, Yeah, like uh, that probably didn't land great. um, Here's her finish. Uh, Raging Bull ultimately has a numbing effect on the brain, as if one's head had been pummeled by LaMotta's so-called girlish fists. Which he does complain about at the beginning of the movie. He does. Yeah, more insecurity. Um, Yeah, I think that it's one of those reviews where it's like, I, I disagree with her conclusion, but so much of the evidence that she cites is like, yes, I think that's true. Which, yeah. to an extent, speaks to taste, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it might have been shocking to see the violence in the movie at the time. and might have shocking now. Yeah. 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 Um, but, man, she's uh, going to be disappointed by the violence in 80s movies. Yeah. <laughs> If that's like what's stopping her, yes, because <laughs> this is like just the tip of the iceberg, yeah. right? I mean, it's not absurdist like you do you get in like you know a slasher movie or something like that, um, but it's certainly clear. Like, yeah. it's certainly I mean, it explicit. does get to an absurd level, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but is used to like it has meaning, right? Well, and it's yeah. it's absurd and plausible. Yeah. Right. Like you yes, can yeah. see this actually happening because you know it's, it's a true story and like this is what boxing is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the whole project. So yeah, um, that's a hot take. That was a hot take. Turn it on. I yeah, I found this one. I was like, I thought this is a good entry into this. Uh, yeah, forty years later, first, still pretty hot. First segment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it's hotter. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think uh, any um, any closing thoughts on Raging Bull. Um, yeah, as I said earlier, I think it's a tough watch, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, technically impressive and um, surprising in how it treats its character. Yeah, I think this is one that changes upon multiple viewings. Like having seen it a few, a few times now, like it, it's a different experience kind of each time you go into it. And you can like, there's so much here uh, to pick up on, on many different cinematic levels. Um, that it stands up to a lot of viewings, and probably the reason we're still talking about it nearly 40 years after it uh, came out. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, I don't think I enjoyed it that much, but I can appreciate what's done, and I think I like it more than I liked Goodfellas or Casino. I agree, I actually. I think I found the, the character study to be more tightly focused and more, more compelling, <clears throat> um, and it doesn't have the really annoying and pretentious narrative mechanic um, so like that the, was a relief. The voiceover? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is no voiceover here. Well, like. they said the the beginning at the end still. But. Yes, oh, yeah. they did yeah. do that. But it, like that, it felt more... the end of the beginning. Again, more purposeful. Like, I don't think that was a problem with Goodfellas or Casino, right? Like, you know this entire time, like, this guy is destined for, like, something pathetic, right? Like, that's the conclusion for this character, and you know that the entire time. And I think that that's holds content here in a way that, like, three weeks earlier kind of filmmaking doesn't. Yeah, because yeah. you kind of hold it in your head throughout the whole movie that yeah. all of this rage and all of this violence is all for naught. Yeah, like what's it getting him? Right, this? Like, so he gets to do a bad Brando impression in, yeah. in 30 years, big fucking deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I basically agree. Like, I, well, I think I like this movie more than you did, but um, mm. that's okay. But I do yeah. like it. I also like it more than Goodfellas and Casino. Yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. Wilson. 
You're up next, so what movie have you not seen? Okay, this is not one that I have affirmatively lied about, but it is one that stands large in the uh, cultural scene that, I, that I've not watched, but I kind of feel like I've watched it. In the canon? In the, a canon. <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to watch Anchorman. So this is the 2004, Four. 2004 Will Ferrell movie about the news or something. I guess I'll watch it and find out. Um, but in any event, thank you for joining us for the premiere episode of uh, How Have You Not Seen That? If you're liking the show, please tell folks about it. Um, we're going to hopefully keep a more active Twitter page and Facebook page going forward, um, and maybe even a website. Like We can actually have a home base for, for what we're doing here. And also SoundCloud. So please, share, share it. Uh, tell people about it. Um, we're having fun doing it, and we want to keep doing it, and we'll, we will if we, we get an audience. So thanks for listening, and join us next week for Anchorman.